Welcome to the Practice Brave Podcast. I'm your host, Brianna Battles, a strength and conditioning coach and the founder of Pregnancy and Postpartum Athleticism. The Practice Brave Podcast brings you the relatable, trustworthy, and transparent health and fitness information you're looking for when it comes to coaching, being coached, and transitioning through the variables of motherhood and womanhood. If you're a pregnant or postpartum athlete or a coach working with this population, this show is specifically designed for you. All right, let's get started. Hey guys, welcome back to the Practice Brave Podcast, and I am here with my good friend, Carla, and she and I are going to be talking about something that came just back and forth in DMs talking about athlete brain. So Carla is a coach, she's a mom, she's an athlete, and she's a very successful woman because she's learned how to leverage athlete brain, but that's not without struggle. And that's something that her and I connect so much about and have found just, I guess, a lot of solidarity in kind of over the last few years of evolving both of our business and our messages and where we've gone even as mothers. So it's been so great to see our friendship evolve and connect in a really different way than I think a lot of other interactions on social media go. <laughs> so Carla, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah. Um, and I just want to tell you guys, we are, we have like an eight hour time difference. So I'm, I'm in California and I'm drinking coffee and Carla, what are you doing right now? I am actually eating a Magnum ice cream. And I just told my toddler she's not having another one because she just had one. So, no. <laughs> yeah, so coffee and ice cream. This is how this is how we're making it happen here. <laughs> Here's some energy, all right? Don't judge me. Yeah, uh, no judgment. That ice cream is so good. So, Carla, tell us just a little bit about yourself. Where are you living? What are you doing? And yeah, what's your background info? Well, right now I'm in Luanda, Angola, Southwest Africa. Uh, we're in the middle of a pandemic. All of us, right? All of us, yes. Um, I came home to Angola three years ago to uh, open and run an affiliate called CrossFit Telatona. I did it for two years. It was really successful. Somehow, along the way, I started getting restless, like, eh, not sure if I want to be doing this. As the pandemic hit, hit us, so we closed the gym in March. In April, I resigned. I had the time to quiet down, like the noise mm -hmm. of running the whole thing. I stopped. I was like, I don't want to do this. And the more time went by, I'm like, I don't want to do this. So what I did was something I usually do, threw myself, you know, like got off the boat in the middle of the sea, <laughs> <laughs> in the middle of a pandemic. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to start this thing online. And I, and that's what I did. I uh, focused on something that I've been playing with, playing with as in not, you know, making it my daily work, the pregnant and postpartum women, Angola, it's, it doesn't exist at all. And it's been really good. It's been really successful. And um, yeah, that's what I'm doing right now. And I, I'm an old warrior. I'm a, I'm a former athlete. I did kayaking, canoeing competitively. Then I competed on the races on the sea. And then I found CrossFit. I was competitive in CrossFit too, because, you know, it can be normal. You got to always compete in something, you know, just regular <laughs> hobbies, no such thing. And right now, in the middle of a pandemic, I found that the sea keeps me sane. I exercise on a daily basis with a friend who holds me accountable and I hold her accountable. But I'm learning to surf. So, you know, and of course I'm competitive in there already trying to learn. <laughs> we can't be normal. <laughs> there's, there's just, there's never any chill, right? <laughs> I love it. And so Carla is also a pregnancy and postpartum athleticism coach. And that's how we connected. But we connected years ago when she literally called me through Facebook. And I'll never forget this because I was like, oh, oh, she's, she's calling me. Do I answer? And she's like, hey, 
I have some questions. Like what makes you different than what's happening over here? Like right. what you're saying is sparking something in me and I don't know what it is. So I need to talk to you about it. And I was like, damn, that was All direct. Right. <laughs> That's like, like she just straight up called me through Facebook and I've never talked to her before, but you know, you had questions and you wanted some answers and some context. And I, that was like the way to my heart was you were just so direct and so like no bullshit. Some people <laughs> run away from that. Do you understand this? Some people are like, whoa, okay, boom. No, I was like, hey, be my friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's my language too. When people are like that, I'm like, okay, I understand this language. Right. And I think we're both like that. Like, don't bullshit me. Just tell me what I need to know, how I need to do this, and like what's going to help me be a better human. And just break it down, you know? Like, we don't need all this. Just break fluff. it down, right. And give, right. Me, give me a schedule. You know, like like a training program so I can, you know, go off like this. Like, okay. Right. Totally. So how did you like originally want to get into coaching pregnant and postpartum women and athletes? Well, athletes, it just came because of my, you know, me. Right. I, I, I had questions about what was being done with me. Mm-hmm. I got injured. I had shoulder pain for years from kayaking. And I'm like, okay, what's going on? You know, what are we doing? What are we doing that's not right? Why am I not getting better? I keep on adding volume to my training, but I just feel tired and destroyed. So I tried to understand what it is that we were doing for me. So I wanted to understand what my coach was doing. So there was a need to understand. So I could advocate for myself and understand better. And it was also a way of me trying to find a balance between the loyal life, because I spent a lot of hours in the office and I was dying from athletes to office hours. Um, And so I started doing courses so I could coach others. But it was just to cop out a way for me to exercise. Mm-hmm. because I knew if I started coaching and I had to give classes, I would have to be there whether I wanted to or not. So I was a way of me making myself exercise. That's what it was. Right. But as I got through it, I realized that I actually had a bit of a, you know, I had a touch for it. People enjoyed it and I could communicate with folks. So slowly but surely, as I started thinking more and more about retirement at the age of 30 at the office, I'm like, this is not right. Right. <laughs> Slowly but surely, I started doing more classes, more coaching, and then your CrossFit showed up. They were kettlebell way before that, and then slowly but surely, I started moving towards that direction, and then the opportunity came to go to Cape Town, and then I went fully into coaching, and I never looked back again. I love it. And you had your daughter how many years ago? How old is she now? Four years now. She turned four on the 20th of July. Yeah. And so that really sparked your interest in understanding your body through pregnancy and recovering postpartum. And I think that was close to around the time that we met. Yes. Four years ago. Okay. It's insane. I know. I know. It's really crazy. So when you were pregnant with her, what did your training look like? Mm, I was following this pregnancy program and um, it worked for a while, but I had questions. I know you did. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, okay, why is this here? Why are we doing this? Why are we not talking about this? Because I thought reading about pelvic floor. I'm like, mm-hmm. why is this not mentioned? Why are we not talking about pelvic floor? Why are we not talking about diastasis? Why? There were all these questions, you know? And it seemed like if you did a certain number of exercises, once we didn't even talk about these things. And two, it's almost like those were the cure for everything. And I have, cleaning, I have questions. And if I ask you and you don't have an answer or you don't tell me, you know what? I don't know, but I'm willing to look look it up and look for it and see if you can come up with an answer, then it's the moment when I step away. That was the moment that you called me on Facebook. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You're like, I need your opinion. (laughs) 
Right. But it's so true. And I think that a lot of people, there's like, it's almost like there's two approaches. There's like people that will go through a program and they want to learn more. They want, they're asking questions or like, well, what about this? Or this doesn't make sense. Or they want to understand why they're doing those particular movements, especially during pregnancy and postpartum. It should, it should make sense to you. You should have that context and education okay. about your body. That's, that's my goal. A hundred percent is like, I want you to be the expert on your body so that you actually know how to listen to it. Right. But we are sold these programs and this messaging and this like social media influencers that are like, well, if you just do these exercises and you just follow this program, then like, you're good. You don't need to really understand it. You just need to follow it. And that like following a template and just like a generic recommendation, that's never going to actually work for the individual. Maybe you're lucky and that works, but it doesn't mean it's an N equals one thing. And that's right. it. But right. I wanted to understand what we were doing. Like, okay what is happening here and why are we doing this? Why have we now moved on to something else? And you don't see me. So how do you know, you know, I'll give you an example. Well, we were 16 weeks pregnant and I was pretty lean. Mm-hmm. So as I did pull-ups, I remember looking at my abs and I see, and see coning. Mm-hmm. That's not the beginning and end of it all, but I was like, okay, this is new. What is it? Right. What does it mean? What's happening? It's a good thing, a bad thing. I didn't really get an answer on this. And I'm like, these are points that I think are relevant for somebody who's pregnant because this is new so what does Mm -hmm. that mean you know and i know we can we don't give black and white answers to things because this is quite quite you know quite a quite a work but i'm like okay can we talk about it like what does this mean yeah you know how do i go about doing it maybe differently if it's necessary that i do it differently so those are my questions yeah yeah i know like when i was pregnant with kate there was no program and no mention in our circle especially like in the like the athlete fit mom crossfit bubble there were powerlifting nothing at all that talked about women's health in a way that was talking about pelvic floor or changes during pregnancy or things that would you know try to just bringing education and knowledge like there's so i remember thinking like i didn't even know what pelvic organ prolapse was because that was never part of the conversation in any of these pregnancy consideration none of these books none of these things ever talked about prolapse incontinence diastasis pelvic pain nevertheless connecting any of that to performance and that was when like my light bulb moment went off where i was like oh my god i have to fix this <laughs> because, and we also and which is really insane because most of humans in this earth are women yeah most of us are women and at some stage or other we'll, we'll either have children or be pregnant most of us yeah so it's like are you kidding me like majority of the population i was just not like top of the board relevant information why are we not talking about it? And then what I found strange in the whole world, in the whole thing, and that's also the thing I was looking for a balance was that you're pregnant now, you're doing Pilates, you're doing this, and I'm not mm-hmm. dissing Pilates, I'm not right. doing any of it. What I'm saying is, if you are a CrossFitter and that's what you like doing, if you're a powerlifter, that's what you like doing. Asking me to suddenly stop doing all of that because this is me, it's me and the iron. I love iron, mm-hmm. and you're asking me now. I'm going through a million changes in my life, like having a mild or severe identity crisis throughout mm-hmm. the homo, <laughs> you know, as I change, you're also asking me to give up some things that, you know, I mean, if you're really good, make me want to be there and participate and be part of a community and whatever. And now all I have to do, all I can do is walk, lift five pound weights, which is not going to do anything to my body, not even like, right. or swim things that I didn't choose to do. I don't enjoy doing. So I was like, 
how do I continue exercising, and keep myself fit? Because you tell me being fit is relevant for my health and my baby's health, but you're telling me to do these things I don't like doing. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's like, we were either, either told, and this is also like, obviously certain parts of the world too, where it was very conservative recommendations for pregnant women or like, don't lift that. Don't do that. Or if you're going to exercise, yeah, only do like really, you know, lightweight or Pilates or swim or walk or whatever. But then definitely like the culture in the U S for sure was be a badass, do more. You can do anything screw like what your doctor says. They don't know you like, and I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of like messy middle there, but there was just such this extreme pendulum swing of like either really conservative or just be a badass in every, every possible way, whatever way that looks like for you. And there wasn't a whole lot of discussion about pregnancy and even postpartum hanging out in the middle and not pushing these boundaries, but also not stepping back completely for what you actually enjoy doing. There was no middle. I mean, maybe it's because we're in the middle of it and that's what we do for a living. So I'm always <laughs> listening. This morning I was walking, I was listening to Lori Forner's podcast. Uh-huh. So I'm like, all right, so it looks like my world is all about that, but it isn't. This is just a choice that I find myself to, you know, to get informed, but most people don't hear about it. So I feel like we're in the forefront of something that could, you know, change a lot of lives. And that's, and that makes it interesting. Oh, absolutely. Cause I, I keep coming back to, you know, talking to so many coaches about how we're pivoting or not in the pandemic. And it's like, yeah. there were, there will always, always be pregnant women. There will always be mothers and there will always be people that are interested in pursuing their fitness and their athleticism and their, their core and pelvic health function no matter what the circumstances are around us. And they need people and coaches who get them, who will work with them and not just tell them what to do, but like help them understand it within themselves. That need will always be there and it can be delivered in so many ways. And I think that's what's been so great about seeing how many practitioners and coaches and people are stepping into what their strengths are to help people in so many different circumstances. Right, absolutely. We're not going anywhere, (laughs) you know, and it has been great to see that, you know, I don't know about you, but I know 30 years ago, like my mom, and I say this on the podcast a lot, like my mom was not like throwing around barbells when I was a kid, right? No, like she was working full time. Like there was no exercise in her life. They just, she couldn't, you know, a single mom, she was just working her ass off to try to take care of my sister and I, there was no time for her to pursue fitness. And women back then didn't really lift barbells as much. Like there was like a very small, small number. And so now within like, I'd say the last 10 years, you've seen a huge shift and CrossFit has definitely been part of that, but a huge shift in people pursuing strength and fitness and competing, whether it's triathlons or running or whatever, we've just seen this huge shift where it's, it's not weird to be a mom and it's not weird to be pregnant and to keep training and to keep lifting. It's not weird anymore, but 30 years ago, that was different. I remember years, years ago, walking down the street in Angola, because I was a canoeist, long before CrossFit. So canoeist, water polo for you. Latissimus Dorsey was all over the place. <laughs> yeah. Right? So there was all of that. Love that. I, all over the place. <laughs> so oh, true. I, I keep on joking. Like, even if I stop working out until I'm 80, it will still be there. <laughs> yep. Lats for life, my friend. <laughs> and so I showed up here in Angola. I lived in Europe, came home, and it was always strange. 
people used to speak about me like on the streets, like, oh, that's a guy or whatever. Like I would, you know, I would get bullied. It was really weird. Now it's not as bad because CrossFit is coming to the land, you know, mm-hmm. and, and folks know me and I'm not as muscular as I was, but everybody knows me. Right. And I'll tell you why. Because of the physique I have and the dreadlocks, you know, I'm not exactly your typical, but the, the physique is something new. So barbell lifting is from 10 years, from 10 years now, not even, I think the last five years, that's when barbell started, you know, never mind mm-hmm. pregnant woman working out. Right. So we, we work, we, we are like, you know, 10 years into it right now. Absolutely. When I, I taught in Thailand for two and a half weeks a few years ago. So Cade was maybe two or three. And I remember going there and explaining to these different sport coaches, what it was that I did. And they saw a picture of me pregnant, like lifting a barbell. And they were like, oh, that would never, that would never happen here. Like what? It was so confusing, but I mean, it, and thought it was great, but it's just, it's still also like not part of every culture where we're seeing women pursue fitness like, like that during pregnancy and nevertheless in the motherhood. Do you remember years ago, I think probably 2012, there was a woman who did CrossFit and she did at like eight months of pregnancy, she did a photo shoot. With yes, I do. Head. Yeah. I'm trying to think and of her I, name. I forget now. And uh, she still looks fit as hell. She looks great. Oh, totally. And she, it was hilarious to see how insane everybody got. You could see the weights weren't even heavy. Mm-hmm. You know, they weren't. It was a photo shoot. But they demolished her. I think she even made it to times. I mean, she was interviewed. Yeah, I remember that. Yes. Folks went wild. She was the OG, I think, of pregnancy in CrossFit just because of the exposure. <laughs> I know. I know. And it's crazy because we've seen so many moms, athletes go on and become moms and just really share that transition in their life where they're not closing the chapter on being an athlete, but it, now it's, you know, we're adding to our identity. Like I just, I always say, you know, like your athleticism does not end when motherhood begins, but maybe it looks different. Like we're just adding to what it is we do. And I want to talk to you a little bit about some of the revelations that you've had with Athlete Brain, how you've been able to leverage it, how it's worked for you, but also like what have been the struggles with that mentality? I think right now, as we are going through this collective questioning, we're mm-hmm. all in a very uncomfortable position. We're all in a, we don't know what's going to happen collectively. Right. That's it. Like the whole world, it's not just the US or whatever, everywhere. I mean, I'm in Angola, I'm in West Africa, and we are dealing with the same pandemic, right? Things yeah. are closed down, gyms are closed, people don't know what's happening. Everything, everything that we knew was normal, you know, any idea, illusion of control, pretty much out the window, which yeah. is people like us who have, you know, programs and schedules and ideas of how things are going to go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're like, wait, I can't plan anything. I am not going to be okay then. <laughs> it's been, and, and I told you that I've been seeing a therapist to try and deal and try and understand myself as of late, trying, you know, trying and finding some kind of peace within me. And I'll tell you why. Like I said, because athlete brain, we were talking about this, it allows us to do things. You know, there's a, a demand. There's always a demand on yourself. There's a voice within, at least within me, that demands things from me, right? As you exercise, you get involved in kayaking, somehow it has to become competitive. And to become competitive, you need to expose yourself to suffering because that's what it is. You need to expose yourself to suffering in the gym, in the boat. You, you need to allow yourself to spend hours in it to, to in, improve your craft. So there's a certain mindset that allows you to be there. 
right? This demanding mindset, this voice that tells, it's like, I, I say it's a drill sergeant, like, go, let's go, Ba-bum. do this, do that. This is what you need to do to get there. So we're not going to cry about it. Right. You're going to go, <laughs> right? Right. So, and, and, and the thing is, it has taken me places for it. So many experiences in life, you know, right. across the games, federations, world championships, world cups, running the gym, being successful at it, because there's this drill sergeant kind of mentality of the athlete where you want to go and do better and be better and you do the work to get there. Because, you know, a lot of folks want to, want to look a certain way, or have, but they don't want to put in the work, but you're ready to be that workhorse. Yeah. Right. But the thing is with being able to do that, there's that voice to, that is very successful at having you be successful in certain aspects of your life. But if that voice is all you know, like if you have a hammer, everything looks like a nail. If that's all you know, and then you want to deal with life in relationships and dealing with emotions, because I told you, I'm really good at running. The moment it becomes uncomfortable and I cannot set up a plan to do progressive overload on dealing with emotions, <laughs> you know? Oh, you no. Know? I was saying like, okay, if I'm going to do a little bit of suffering, does it mean next time I'm a little bit better? And can I have a program that shows this? You know, I'm, I'm being silly right now. <laughs> and, and, I, and I realized that, you know, in my conversation, especially now with the pandemic, so many things happening, you know, in that relationship I told you about that you really caught me off guard. I just became aware of me getting into a state of, if you had asked me if I suffered from anxiety, I'd be like, hell no. Anxiety, what's that? Like, I mean, come on. <laughs> I, I set my nerves. I organize my nerves. I'm good. I can get in things, get things done. But yeah, on that side of life. Mm-hmm. But now when you're talking about emotion, when you're talking about not doing, but being, feeling uncomfortable things. And that's funny because I can be uncomfortable breathing through friend. Right. But don't ask me to be uncomfortable breathing to heartache or something. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow because of a freaking pandemic. Oh, God. <laughs> I just love you. Like, I feel, <laughs> I feel so seen. <laughs> it's so true because that voice is just like, this is the right way. This is what you should be doing. This is the best way. This is the healthiest thing to do. This is what will make you most successful. But when you don't have that control, you have to, we've literally been forced to just sit here and say, okay, now what? <laughs> like, now what so is- now what? And now what do I do? And, you know, like I, I feel myself trying so hard to like, let's make it better. Let's do this. Let's do that. Like, how can I like fix this? And in a lot of ways and in a lot of instances through my, I guess, growing up and learning how to better understand myself and getting a grasp on this mindset is like how can i how can i leverage it when i need to and how can i shut it down when i need to how can i just actually be uncomfortable and be okay and have hard conversations with myself with other people and then just own when i don't know something and when i can't fix it and just be there it's hard i mean with the, my therapist one of the things she said cuz i i noticed i think you noticed this for a while my instagram was only the beach this was me trying not to lose the plot completely. Yeah. Because I was extremely stressed. But my, my stress, how was that? I felt like I was about to compete. That's how I felt in my body all the time. 
Yeah. You know, but there's the thing when you're about to compete, you harness that, that stress right. to, to deliver performance. Right. And now we like don't have that outlet. <laughs> there's no outlet. There's no performance to be had. And, but I was constantly in that state, like, and my brain refuses to shut down because it's analyzing different things or re, you know, doing a rematch of the game in my head. Right. right? And I'm like, okay, this is clearly not working because I'm not exactly doing, looking at the rematch so I can play a better game. This has now become that voice telling you that this should have been better, that should have been better, blah, 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 blah. But not compassion. It's not compassionate and it's not getting me anywhere. Right. So what I, what I hear is this brain, this, this side that is very successful, if not harnessed, if we don't understand that now this is not the voice that should be in command. This is, coach should not be always in charge. <laughs> right. Right. And then it gets complicated. Absolutely. And I see like I'll speak for myself personally, but then also so many conversations with people saying that that voice is what is making them obsess about breastfeeding. And like, they're like, well, it, now it has to be almost like this competitive thing where I have to breastfeed for a year. I have to breastfeed for two years. I have to breastfeed for six months. And oh, no, no, no. I will not give my baby formula because that would be, that is failing. And that voice is mean and it's a bully in your head. Same with postpartum depression. Like I'm fine. Like this was me. I'm fine. I'm just really freaking tired. And my baby cries a lot and it's just hard. And I'm just really tired and I just want support. And I could never just say, actually, I should probably go to a therapist because I don't think this is right. Like, I don't think that my brain is actually in a good place. I could probably experience motherhood better because it was like, you just like, just work harder, just try harder and don't be weak. That's what I was going to say. Athlete brain will get you into that drill sergeant thing. We're like, Mm -hmm. stop crying. Give me pushups. Right. Meanwhile, you're like, okay, I, I don't need to work harder, but that's the thing that gets you in places sometimes. Either work harder or work smarter. But somehow it's so easy to just think, oh, I need to work harder. Instead of saying, I need to work smarter, which is something we also advocate for. Right. That you don't necessarily need to work more volume. You need to get smart. (laughs) Yeah. And like, I mean, I would... And I see this with so many of us, like we look at postpartum and go, okay, I have a lot of fixing to do. I need to fix my routine. I need to fix my body. I need to fix my lifestyle. I need to find, I need to find something that feels more familiar. And so then we sort of try to out exercise or out nutrition, this transition in our life, instead of just giving it the grace that it needs. And that's what I wish, you know, so many of us could could come into a little bit easier because it, it is, it's hard. Like you have to fix, like you got to fix this idea that you got to fix things. Like you, you got to, now I have to work my schedule. I have to fix this. I've got to fix my body. I, like there's a constant need to fix. Like just being is almost impossible. Yeah. And I look at that even with business, like we've both been very successful in all of our endeavors. I want to do this. I'm passionate about it. I'm going to make it happen. Right. And So we see how it also infiltrates that. So yeah, I think like athlete brain infiltrates into so many other areas of our motherhood and of our, even like with our careers, if that's something we're also pursuing where you want to do more, you want to push boundaries and you're really driven. But at the very same time, all that's really good, but it can also be some self-sabotaging practices when you don't give yourself that grace and flexibility and willingness to adapt to whatever circumstance motherhood presents you with or whatever pivot you need to make in business or career 
it's hard because you feel like you have to do it this way and right. And like, we're like really regimented. So it's hard to be flexible in what we do and how we do it. What's her name? She's called Debbie Ford. It's one of the books called The Dark Side of the Light Chasers. Uh, and, and what she was talking about is how these things have fruits. And we know they do. Because, you know, we do things with this mindset. But we also have a dark side of this that gets us right. in trouble. And with business, I ha- right now in this situation, it, it was actually useful for me. Mm-hmm. When I had to shift from running the box to doing something else, like, go. Right. Run. Three, two, one, go. Right. But at the same time, I find it hard when sometimes dealing with expectations of clients, understanding that I cannot fix everything and that it doesn't matter how well intentioned I might be, they may not really be ready to receive or they may not be ready to even start or they may not be ready to be in that situation, right? And all they want really is to just burn. You know, there's a conversation that we have a lot in Angola. So there's that struggle where I make it like, it's not about me. I can't fix this, even though, you know, fix, 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 have your hand in things and make things happen. You know, like a team, you, you go there because you're the coach, right? You go there, you know, get a little bit further in. They're not your team members as in, you know, they don't do, they don't always just do what you say. They're individuals in their own journey. So that struggle sometimes when you're really out there and you see something on the outside of the field and you're watching the game and you're like, you need to be on that side because you're outside. And then understanding that even though you see the game right now in that particular situation, even though that person came to you for help, you're not the coach of everything. Does that, does that, does that? Oh yeah. No, I know. I feel like I try to like coach every every life situation. It's like this voice is constantly trying to coach me as a mom, trying to coach me for my next business strategy, move, idea, like post, all of this. Even like my my marriage, like, well, what what can I do to make it better? What can we do to accomplish this? And it's like, I it's hard to shut off that coach brain and be okay not trying to like fix everything or optimize everything and just like let it be what it is in that moment where you can act and then feel peaceful. Right. Because we don't be, we're not, we're not into being mode is doing mode. Doing mode is right. comfortable. Right. And then what my psychologist or therapist said, that I thought was interesting is that this whole sense of, you know, when you're like getting into the stress mode is you still doing your mm-hmm. brain is still doing, it's not capable of calming down so you're busy thinking and rethinking and rethinking because you only know how to be, right. I mean, to do instead of be. So, right. and, and being unable to go, okay, what you said, human relations are complex. It is not a training program. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you said to me. It's like, it's not, you know, we can't just get in there and go, okay, progressive overload, right? This right. This, whatever, and so we expect this to happen. Yes, we have to play around with things, you know, program, timing, but it's not the same. Right. But because that brain is out there and that voice is out there making you do things. And and I don't know how you feel, but I feel as of late that I might be extremely intelligent on the physical side, but because I focus so much on the physical side, on the doing side, the emotional side I am learning to jump rope right now. Right. 
I a hundred percent feel that. And I think it took becoming a mom and realizing like, who do I actually want to be for these boys? That has nothing to do with what I accomplish or what I can do. Like who, and this is a conversation I had with um, Jen and Annie at Balance 365 is like, like, it doesn't matter if I can deadlift 300 pounds. It doesn't matter how successful my business is. It matters like, what am I able to do and be present with, with these boys? Because that's what I want. And, you know, that was what my mom gave me growing up. We didn't have a lot. We didn't do a lot, but she was present heart to heart and brain to brain. And like, that is what I want for my boys. So, you know, anything extra is a bonus and yeah, it's okay to be driven and it's okay to want more and do more than maybe what we had. Absolutely. That's a driving force for both Jared and I to be successful and to, and to do good with that, but then to also be still and appreciate it and stay humble in it and raise our boys to be really humble in it. And I think that's like that balancing act of pursuing, but also being. But being is hard. Oh, being is real hard. Even when it's good. Like being is hard even in like the amazing moments and being is hard in the shitty low, low, low moments. (laughs) It's just interesting when you can, when you recognize this tendency, you don't unsee it and you see how it infiltrates every component of your life. And that's why I thought having, you know, this discussion with you, because we're different, but we're so similar in, in how we have navigated this as athletes, as coaches, as moms, as business owners. And, and I think it's an important because whether you identify as an athlete or not, so many of us have that athlete brain and it stems from so much from your childhood, from your life experiences. It's almost like that fight or flight mode, you know? Isn't that, is it an affirmation thing? That's a question I have because competitive what's the need and look i'm not this thing athlete i am athlete no this, i was joke saying i might be an older tiger but we're still a tiger <laughs> oh hell yeah <laughs> you know with this with the learning how to surf now i'm the insane person who just learned who's learning to surf and spends five hours inside the sea right because mm-hmm. that's that athlete brain like all right let's go it it, it feels good when mm-hmm. it feels good when it has a purpose that's positive to us it's okay Right. But that mind, when that brain, when that voice, that drill sergeant is flagellating and it's not building anything, it's just building stress, anxiety, getting us in trouble with interpersonal relationships because we're trying to control and fix things. That's when that voice is not serving us. Right. And it's I think it's really hard because my question is, okay, that competition, there's a this fun. But what makes it so that we really just want to control everything else around right. us? Because that's what it is. Like, is there a need that we're trying to fulfill? Is there a fear? These are questions I have, you know? Oh, 100%. And mm-hmm. I think what's what's helped me own it a little bit more is like, okay, I am not, I cannot be in control of everybody and everyone. And what can I do that is going to humble me and keep me like, what, how can I suck at something? So I started, I signed up for jujitsu and I suck. It is so confusing and it is so methodical and it is so in the moment. I can't just like out muscle it, right? Like I have to think like step by step. Okay. First I grab this and then I do this. Like, and it's the only thing that like quiets all the other BS. My phone's not by me. My kids aren't by me. I am just in the moment of trying to figure out what the hell the instructor just said. 
And then I have to like do it. And then I have to like engage and talk through it and be in that moment. And it's okay to suck. And sucking has been so good for me. Not that I'm like, I'm not good at everything. I'm actually very average at most things. Like I'm never, I don't, I'm not like this great athlete and very average, but I like to do and put my body through a lot of different things. And it's been so good to suck. Are you, isn't it funny how, at least for me, I don't know if that's because you speaking, this is my language, like learning to surf right now Mm -hmm. shuts my brain. Right. Because it's new and I have to learn. I have to focus to learn. Right. That's what it is. Or like animal flow. If I'm learning a new flow with a friend, like he's flowing all over the place. I'm like, wait, right leg, left, what? And then what? it shuts my brain down and I leave the place feeling like I'm not controlling anything here. This right now I'm just being, I'm I'm, I'm learning something new. Yeah. And I, I find that because there's that comfort, we are physically, there's a physical intelligence. We work with bodies. That's what she said. This is like you said, this much, that so much therapy is through movement for us. Mm-hmm. So oh, yeah. you doing jujitsu right now, I discovered that surfing shuts this down because we're in the middle of a pandemic, I guess. And because we already have these tendencies right now, it's just exacerbated. So we, everything is harder and sharper and wider. And maybe when this wasn't happening, we were so busy with other things that we didn't really stop to listen. Right. And now it's like the music stopped and this person doesn't stop talking kind of feel. Right. That, that's how I felt. Yeah. And one another thing she was saying to me was like, I said, but I don't feel uncomfortable not knowing in sports. I'm fine. I'm fine getting on that plank and get off it 200,000 times. I will laugh about it and get off it because it's not something I master. Right. And, but if you put me in a situation where I have to be, because right there, even there, we're still in our comfort zone. We're still doing. Right. Do you get it? I mean, I don't know if that makes any sense because we're still working within the physical, which is our comfort zone, even though it's not something we know, but it's a comfort zone. But when we go into the field, we're really not doing anything and it's happening. And like, I don't have, like, I'm not doing anything to get better because you're jujitsu, you're practicing to eventually get better. Well, it's funny. I told Jared, I was like, I actually, I don't even care if I get better. I don't care if I'm a white belt forever. I don't care if I get stripes. I just like want to go there and like, I just want to do something different. I just want to be in a different environment and like move my body different, be around different people. Like barbell will always be a steady thing in my life and weights, but like, but that's steady. I can count on that, but doing something new is has forced me and and I also run for the same reason. I also do most of my business calls when I'm going on a walk so that I can like get out my ideas and anxiety in a in an outside environment. Like there's just so many little things it? that we can do. You hear it? Your therapy is movement. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Sitting and talking doesn't work. <laughs> no, no, that's what you said. Like your therapy is movement. But right. even though it's uncomfortable because you knew you need you you're learning different things, you still move working with your body, which right. is a known terrain. It's yours. Yeah. And it, and I think that's that's what we I mean, to almost like summarize all of this, like that's what we have to do is we have to find like what thing works well to bring us to a center of understanding of how is it worth pushing this right now, or is it worth just being and being right. able to like really have that conversation with yourself from sport to career to motherhood to a hard season in life knowing how to just sit there and like like what do I do in this moment is this worth just like muscling through kind of with athlete brain 
or is it worth being still and just trying to do the next right thing? But being still, if it's not something we do, it's something we fight against. Mm-hmm. Because she, her theory is anxiety is fighting the being still. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> it's like, okay. Why are we doing that? <laughs> I know. It's like, how can we find a happy, happy medium and just and like sit in it, but in a way that actually makes sense for us? I don't have answers. I'll just tell you what I've been practicing and it's given me some kind of solace. Yeah. That's been this whole pandemic and me trying to figure things out. She said something on the lines of, look, we have so many thoughts throughout the day, but we don't hold on to them because they have no meaning. Mm -hmm. But when we think about something that we attach some meaning to it, then we sit there and repeat and repeat and repeat and think about it and marinate in it. And she like she goes. So instead of fighting it, this is something you do because you are acting, you're doing. Mm-hmm. How about you stop and you go, you get curious about it, and go recognize that this is your coach voice, the the drill sergeant talking. Okay, and then listen to the drill sergeant, but with curiosity, which was interesting. I was like, that sounds insane. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and she says, speak to it. And I'm like, what? Yeah. So I went found myself at the beach with nobody because. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I remember clearly being somewhere and I was feeling fine with my kid. And all of a sudden this, this cloud just came in of negative thoughts of, you know, repeating things that happened like, like, you know, being a drill sergeant, you should have done this, this and that, da, da, da. and I'm like, okay, why are you saying this? Right. But like having this, being aware that your brain is telling a story, but there's also another side of you that is aware of this voice, you know, because when you become aware, it's not your, rea- not your truth that it doesn't, she says, we don't ever lose it. You'll never stop being an athlete. You never have right. this athlete brain, but it should not be running our lives. It should right. be, you should be able to listen and go, oh, coach is talking right now, right. but we don't need coach right now. We need the kind, loving mother right, this right now. So how about hush there for a second, let him talk because she says, if you fight, oh, that's not right and whatever, it becomes bigger. It's like trying to hold a, a beach ball underwater. Right. Like, and, she, and I've been trying to do that. Like sometimes I wake up in the morning, I'm so, like, I feel somber. I feel like, sad and tired. Mm-hmm. And she's like, this is because coach has been talking to you all night. Mm. This is her way of explaining it. Because then we go back to our subconscious and the things that we have created within ourselves. I'm just sharing what, you know, she told me and made some sense to me. Right within ourselves as safety mechanism as a way of coping with life, including athlete brain. So when so you when you just woke up, you're still in that mindset. She says just just allow it to be. But understand that this doesn't necessarily mean that this is the truth. This is just your brain right now telling the story of coach who is now giving you grief because that game wasn't played well. Does that make any sense? Oh it definitely makes sense. So she helps me this she helped me this way because she spoke in a language that I understood. Sounds like a good coach, huh? He was, right? I'm like, okay, I actually, I'm not just, you know, sitting here talking. He understood to speak to me in language of sports. Right. And I mean, we know as coaches that we have to meet the athlete, meet the person where they are in order for them to buy in and for us to help take them to where they want to be. It's the same thing with, with anything that we're trying to get better at, right? Whether it's just more like self-reflection or trying something new and just being able to better leverage a mindset that will make us very successful and very happy, but has like this double-edged sword of also like sabotaging and hurting. So how can we 
walk that line really imperfectly with a lot of self-awareness, a lot of self-compassion and ability to just take a step back and pause to really assess the situation and our motivating factors. And I think step back, like you said, it could be in also different ways. Like you, for mm-hmm. example, finding again means to shut down in jujitsu. And in my case, it means to shut down the brain in surfing. Right. So that there's the peace. So we're not completely in anxiety because otherwise we can constantly in fight or flight mode and you can't yeah. really make decisions in that state, I don't think. No, not at all. And that's Carla. only sound crazy. We're not crazy. We you know, capable professionals. <laughs> We swear. We swear. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Well, Carla, thank you so much for being here with us today. I really appreciate, I appreciate this conversation because like I said before, I didn't really want this to be like an interview. It's just more of a conversation than I think so many women especially need to hear, you know, that are coming into this space from a variety of places. Many of us have this mindset you know, kind of across a spectrum, like some may be more extreme than others, but I think there's a lot of relatable points here. And I'm, I'm grateful for the conversation and your willingness to go there with me. Thank you. <laughs> and also for me, it feeds my soul. And I feel like when I have these conversations, somehow I get a little bit better. Here we go again, you know, trying to get better, you know, <laughs> but I feel, first of all, I think sharing, it makes you not feel like you're insane. It feels like, Hey, this is actually a human experience. Right. 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 We're not alone. Yes. And then that certain personalities are forged in a certain way. And then we have really, really positive traits that get us places. But coach should not always be, be, you know, coaching. I love it. Oh, Carla, where can people follow you and find you at? And you have a website and Instagram you can share? Yes, I have. I don't have a website. I'm, I'm, I'm that person. Uh, I have an Insta. I've been really good lately. As to, so I did post in English and in Portuguese because I'm a Portuguese speaker. And, you know, most people on my page are Portuguese speakers. The videos might be uh, in Portuguese. I'm, and, I'm, you know, generally it's spoke stuff Brianna talks about, Julie Weave talks about, Anthony speaks about mm-hmm. in Portuguese. But if I do post things like written stuff, it's in English and yeah. in Portuguese. It's, it's called Menina Dangola. I know Brianna is going to write it down so you know what it means. If you're yes. Portuguese speaker, that made a lot of sense because it means Angolan girl. And the, the, the movement that I've created, I'm still look, waiting for my logo, it's called Life in Movement. Because I believe that it isn't just about the exercise, but we're moving. Like right now, movement within ourselves as spiritual beings, trying to understand the being part instead of the doing part. So that's movement too, trying to move somehow in improving ourselves here. Going from uh, ring rose to an eventual muscle up, maybe, in the mm-hmm. emotional part. <laughs> I love it. You know? Great. Well, that's where I'm at. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing your time with us. And uh, all of her information will be linked in the show notes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you are a coach and anything about this resonated with you, I want to encourage you to check out becoming a pregnancy and postpartum athleticism coach. It's an online certification for coaches and trainers, whether you've been coaching for years and years or you're thinking about a whole different career pivot or just a hobby where you want to be a trustworthy person in your community, at your gym, online, who can help guide athletes through pregnancy and postpartum. And you might be thinking, okay, well, maybe, but I don't really coach athletes. So remember, an athlete is a person pursuing fitness across a spectrum of interest and ability, right? So if we can coach a really high level athlete, 
you can also be able to coach the really like average mom who just wants to be able to take care of her kids and do so without symptoms and pain and discomfort. So we really have to be able to coach a spectrum of women through these chapters. And I want to encourage you to consider becoming that coach. Maybe it's the coach that you wish you would have had, or it's the coach that you know is absolutely necessary in your community, in your gym, and you can see the value of this message and information. So if you want to learn more about that, check out the link in the show notes.